everyone. All right, here we go. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, got a good one, New Hope Radio. Really going to be beneficial for our spiritual growth. Glad you tuned in. We've been talking about 36 things that happen at the moment of salvation. Can you believe it? 36 things. That's pretty incredible. Oh, yes, it is. And uh, we're going to get to all of them. And by the time you finish this study, I'll tell you, you should be pretty grounded in your walk with the Lord. Don't forget, you can catch us on the radio and also at newhoperadio.live, YouTube and Facebook as well, and the Hope Club podcast. So like I said, we've covered so far 20 things that happen at the moment of salvation in our series. And um, another way to understand this, I call it the riches of divine grace. I like that. The riches of divine grace. I'm going to bring you the last few we talked about last time. Number 17. We're brought near to Christ at the moment of salvation. Number 18, we're delivered from the power of darkness. Wow. Number 19, we're translated into what? God's kingdom. That's a good one. Translated into the kingdom of God. And then number 20, we're placed on the rock. Who is that rock? Rock is Jesus Christ. Think about it. That's your stability. That's your steadfastness. You want to be steadfast in life? Stand with Christ. Stand with the Lord Jesus. That's how you find stability. So now let's move on to 21, on our way to 36. We are a gift from God, the Father, to Christ. Think about that. At the moment of salvation, we are a gift from God the Father to God the Son, Jesus Christ. How do I know? John 17. We have in this chapter what is called Jesus' high priestly prayer. And in it, he prays for the protection of his disciples, for their oneness with God, their oneness with him, their faith in him as Savior, and the fact that they are a gift to Jesus from his Father. Wow, what a beautiful prayer, huh? And we're in it. It's all about us. Now, there are three specific times that Jesus said, in verse 6, here's what we're going to see. I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. So, of course, here he's speaking about the disciples, okay? And he said, I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me, for they are yours. So these guys, they belong to God the Father, and he gave them to the Son, kind of like what he's going to do with the bride of Christ, right? We all make up the bride of Christ. And at the marriage of the Lamb, the Father will present us to the Son, and he will say, Son, here's your bride. And he will say, Thank you, Father. She's beautiful. And that's going to be the marriage of the Lamb. So Jesus continued to pray, and he said, Father, I desire that they also, 
whom you have given me, be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. There's the deity of Christ, the eternality of Christ. He was around with God the Father before the creation of the world. He's not a created being, as some religions teach. No, he's co-equal with God. He's co-eternal with God the Father. That makes him deity, divine, God. Jesus Christ is God. That's where it begins. That's step one in our salvation. And if we don't understand that, man, we're not getting, we're not getting over the bridge. No, you're not getting any farther. The bridge is out. If you don't see Christ as God, he's not a teacher. He's not a moral leader. He's God. Okay. Now, Lewis Berry Schaefer, who has some wonderful works on what is called systematic theology, he said, The Father presents individual believers separately to the Son, each representing a particular special importance and value not assigned to another. You know, that makes sense because at the judgment seat of Christ, we're all going to stand before God and get our rewards individually. We're not going to be grouped up together. It's going to be one by one by one by one. So he goes on and he says, Oh, like a chest of jewels, collected one by one, and wholly diverse, these love gifts appear before the eyes of the Son of God. Each one of us is a jewel in God's treasure chest. Now, I like this part. Then he said, Should one be missing, he, the Savior, would be rendered inexpressibly poor. Wow. That means that every one of us is important. There is no believer, there is no child of God that is insignificant or less important than another one. Think about that. It doesn't matter your status and your calling. We all share an equal importance in the body of Christ. Every member of your physical body is important or God wouldn't put it there. And so are we in the body of Christ. So, therefore, you know what I deduce from this? Your salvation is secure. That's one thing you don't have to worry about. Sometimes people worry about their salvation. Let me tell you something. It is secure. Okay? And don't let anyone take that from you. It's a work of God. It's maintained by God. And the confidence that we have in that comes from God. Okay? So that's 21. We're brought near to God. 22. We're circumcised in Christ. Now, there are three, I'll say, divisions to circumcision. Okay? There's the uncircumcision of the Gentiles. There's the circumcision of the Jews. And there's a circumcision of the Christians. Okay? All right. Let's talk about that. The Gentiles had no circumcision in the fleshly realm. Okay, you mean, you know, you know, we're talking about circumcision, right? You get the little boys and you cut away that skin. Okay. The Gentiles didn't do that. They didn't, they didn't know about that. The Jews did. God gave it to the Jews. That's why they did it. It mocked them out as being different from the world. So the Jews had a circumcision, but it was one made with hands. It was a fleshly circumcision. Like I said, removal of skin as mocking them as belonging to God. But then there is what is called 
the Christian circumcision, and this is where, ladies, you <laughs> you take part in this too. It's for everybody, because this one is made without hands. We are spiritually removed from the world by the Holy Spirit. That's Christian circumcision. Circumcision means removal, removal of the flesh, right? So we, as believers in Christ, are removed in our lives from the world. So we are circumcised where? In our hearts. Because the heart is the place of where we think. Okay? Paul said in Ephesians 2.11, he said, Therefore, remember, speaking to the Ephesians who were Gentiles, okay? Remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, that means the Jews actually refer to them as like Gentile dogs. They looked down upon them because they weren't circumcised in the flesh. But then Paul said, that circumcision is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time, oh yeah, separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the promise, having no hope, and without God and the world. Now, they were in a bad place. Oh, are you kidding me? To be in the world without hope and without God? That's a bad place to be. That's the worst place anybody can be. But then he said in verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, there's the deal maker. In Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That's spiritual circumcision. They were brought near to God. Their heart was circumcised. So what are we saying here? We're saying, man, to be in the world without God is to be without hope. But through faith in Christ, you're brought near to God. And you become part of the real circumcision. Okay? In Colossians 2.11, Paul explains it further to another group of Greeks. And he said, in him, reference to Christ, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands and the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So this is not a hand circumcision. It's a Holy Spirit circumcision, okay, where the Spirit has separated us from the world. And you know what? That's how we should live. Oh, yeah, we have to live separated from the world. Yes, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And what does it mean, the world? It's the cosmos, the cosmic system, the system that is run by the devil. You know Satan runs this world? Just look at it. Look at it. Look at the governments. Look at the knuckleheads that are running the countries. They're all influenced by the kingdom of darkness. That's what we have today. So we're not part of that. Our hope is not in the world. Our hope is in Christ and the kingdom to come. So the law required the circumcision of the flesh, but the gospel of Christ requires the circumcision of the heart. And that's what happens at salvation. Your heart is circumcised. Through Christ, the flesh has been judged, cut away. That's why when Jesus died on the cross and atoned for your sins, your fleshly life, boom, gone. It's been cut away. So we don't answer to God for our sins because of the shed blood of Christ. As far as the east is from the west, 
So far, so far has he removed our sins. He's buried them in the deepest part of the sea. That's the circumcision of the heart. Number 23, the 23rd thing that happens at the moment of salvation. We become members of the holy priesthood. That sounds pretty good. What does that mean? Well, in 1 Peter 2.5, Peter said that we are living stones. We are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Okay? So we are this spiritual house. What does it mean that we are living stones being built up a spiritual house for a holy priesthood? Well, what does a priest do? A priest intercedes for the people. He renders service to God. So now, as a holy priest, you do not need someone to intercede for you, nor render service to God on your behalf, because these things you can do yourself. And you should do yourself. We are our own believer priests. So you can represent yourself to God. You can go to God. Peter said in verse 9, you are a, oh, royal priesthood. I like that. A holy priesthood set apart. A royal priesthood. We share Christ's throne. Can you imagine we're going to be sitting on the throne of Christ one day? I'm like, that can't be me. That can't be me. I, I, there's got to be a mistake in there somewhere. If I'm going to be on the throne of Christ, that's incredible. And God says, you know what? That's the riches of my grace. Oh, yes, it is. That's a lot of grace. Put Dave Therrien on with the throne of Christ. That's a lot of grace. The Bible tells us in Revelation 5.10, in that role, we will reign with Christ upon the earth. Wow. We will See, it's like the bride sitting next to the king on the throne. We're the bride of Christ. He's the king of kings. We will reign with him. The 24th thing that happens at salvation, by the way, they all happen simultaneously at the same time. Again, Peter, he's got a pretty good understanding of this. I've been doing some end-time studies, and, you know, Peter has a lot to say about the end times and the new creation, and he's got a lot to say about this. Peter, I'm glad Peter bounced back, because he really contributes a lot of good doctrine to the Christian faith. And he said in 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen race, also a holy nation and a peculiar people. Now, I know some are more peculiar than others, (laughs) But simply put, in the church age, we are all called out from the Jews and the Gentiles. We're neither one. We are a chosen generation. What does that mean? We're the offspring of God. Remember, we talked about that before. Christ is the only one chosen, and when we're in him, we become chosen. Chosen doesn't take place before salvation. Chosen takes place because of salvation. After salvation, we share in being chosen with Christ, okay? So we are also a holy nation. That means, the word holy means, you know, it's the word hagias, like separate, like a holy day, a holiday. It's separate from the other days, right? We have uh, the 4th of July, that's separate from other days. 
We have Christmas, we have Easter, we have Thanksgiving. These are separate from other days, and we have traditions that we follow. On those days, we do different things. So us being a holy nation, not America, but the union of Christians, we are separate and distinct from all others. Okay? He made us a holy nation, a holy gathering. Then he said, we're a peculiar people. We're born of God, not of the world. We are to stand out from the world. We don't belong to the cosmic system. And it feels like a square peg in a round hole. That's what it feels like. That if you don't feel at ease in this world, you're in a good place. But if you blend in, if you're like, oh, I love the world and the things of it, then there's where you got to really question your salvation. Because we become a new creation. And when you become a new creation, you know what happens? Your appetite changes. If you were a dog in your last life, and you loved Alpo, and then you came back as a human, you don't like Alpo anymore. Why? You're a new creation. So, before salvation, we were like a dog. We loved Alpo. But now that we've been made new in Christ, we don't like Alpo anymore. We don't like the slop of the world. We like divine things, heavenly things, because we are a new creation. The 25th thing that happens, we are heavenly citizens. And like I said, it is easy to feel like you don't have the rights you deserve in this life sometimes. That's because once you become a Christian, you become a member of the new kingdom. And isn't it interesting how, and we see it today, how Christians have always been persecuted, and we're still being persecuted in this very modern century, the 21st century, where we're supposed to be so modern and so advanced, Christians are still under persecution. Why? Because Philippians 3.20 says, Our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, how many believers pray that every day? Come, Lord Jesus, come. I say it all the time. Come now, Lord. Come now. Beam me up. There's no intelligent life down here. Come and get me. We're ready, aren't we? We are ready for the rapture. We are ready because this world is like, it's tanking. And when the Bible says our citizenship is in heaven, it's the word polituma. Maybe that's the way the word we get for politics, right? And it means a community. The community that we belong to is the community of heaven. We belong to the larger community of all believers, a local community of believers in the church, the local church, and we are also on the membership role of heaven. Jesus told the disciples after they cast out demons from people not to rejoice in that, He said, listen, don't go bragging because the the demons are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. Luke 10.20. Yeah, that's what you want to rejoice in. Forget this earthly stuff. The fact that you get a reservation in heaven, your name is recorded in heaven. That's worth rejoicing in. Let me ask you, are you rejoicing in that? How about this? Is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, in heaven? If so, beautiful. If not, that's number one. Oh, you got to get that done right away. Get the name in the Lamb's Book of Life. And if it is, 
Rejoice in that. So our citizenship has been transferred from earth to heaven. Okay? Doesn't mean we, we don't act as good citizens down here. We do. But our real rights and privileges are in the life to come. In Ephesians 2.19, Paul said, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. How cool is that? We're of God's household. We were strangers and aliens to God. That's before salvation. But now we are strangers and aliens to the world. And if you really want to benefit from that, then live like that. Live like that. And the Holy Spirit will convict you. Oh, yeah. You'll find out. There's shows you used to like. You don't like them anymore. There's music you used to like to listen to. You don't like to listen to it anymore. There's movies you would go to. You don't go anymore. Your appetite is changing. The Spirit is working in you. And you're becoming like Christ little by little. Not only are we members of the new community, but number 26, we are of the family and the household of God. A family is much more intimate than just citizenships. So we just don't belong to heaven, but we belong to the heavenly family. And Galatians 6.10 says that we are to do good to all men, especially those of the household of faith. That means that we are family. We are intimate. We are connected. There should not be division between Christians. There shouldn't be divisions between denominational Christians. You know, it doesn't matter. Baptist, Pentecostal, um, Presbyterian, non-denominational. We're all one. We shouldn't be divided. Hey, if people have different styles of preaching and worship, so be it. You can appreciate the styles, or you can even say, that style's not for me. That's okay. But we are one in the faith, and we have to operate that way. Then the 27th thing that happens at the moment of salvation, fellowship of the saints. See how one connects to the other? Citizenship pertains to a relationship in heaven. Household pertains to a relationship with God as Father. Fellowship pertains to one another. So we're one with Christ, we're one with heaven, we're one with God, and we're one with one another. And that's why, in his high priestly prayer, Jesus prayed, speaking about us, that they may be one, even as you and I, Father, are one. Oneness, Psalm 133. It's about oneness. Oneness pleases God. You criticize other Christians, you judge other Christians, that's displeasing to God. God is all about oneness. Satan comes to destroy oneness. He comes to steal kill, and destroy. He's the great divider. God is the healer, the reconciler, the mender of broken relationships. There's a big difference in the two. And then number 28, I know I'm going quickly, that's okay. We have a heavenly association. Now, a lot of these sound similar, but they do have their distinctions, okay? This association is a partnership with Christ, which incorporates, number one, Partnership with Christ in life, Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Colossians 3.4, Christ is our life. Okay, number two, partnership with Christ in position, 
that we are raised with him and seated in heavenly places, Ephesians 2, 6. Number three, we are partners with Christ in service, 1 Corinthians 3, 9. We are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building, okay, but we're his fellow workers. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Number four, we are partners with Christ in suffering. Philippians one twenty nine. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Is that persecution? Second Timothy two twelve, if we endure, we will also reign with him. Endure means persevere. Okay? So though we suffer for the cause of Christ in this anti God world, there is a personal, intimate suffering we share with the Lord that of lost souls. In Romans 9.3, Paul said that he himself would be a curse for his fellow Jews who were still apart from Christ. Now, that's being burdened. In other words, he would trade his salvation for their lostness. Wow. And number five, we're partners with Christ in prayer. The fact that we pray in Jesus' name makes us a partner with him. John 14.13, Jesus said, Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Woo! So there you have it. So far, 28 things that happen at the moment of salvation, eight to go, that makes 36. All right? Listen, this is a good Bible study. You go back, listen to the podcast, take some notes, and do a great Bible study on the 36 things that happen at the moment of salvation. These are things that should be shared. You got a home group? Share them. Get the notes. Share them. Build up the faith. That's what we need. We need to build up our faith more and more every day. I want to thank you for coming along. Thank you for supporting New Hope Radio. Here's a way you can do it. Join the Hope Club. Get a devotional in your email box every Monday through Friday. Support New Hope Radio, $3 a week. You want to do it? Here's what you do. Go to newhoperadio.live. That's where you start. newhoperadio.live. Click the little menu bar. Then you can read all about it. Very short. And uh, you help us financially, 3 bucks a week. We send you a nice little short devotional every morning, audio file in your email box, Monday through Friday. All right? Work together. That's partnering, right? All right. Thank you for coming along today. Next time, eight more things, don't miss it, that happen at the moment of salvation. Salvation.